Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block, for you've set your minds not on divine things, but human things. These are Jesus' words to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. It was just last week that Jesus said, you are the rock, and upon this rock I will build the church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Literally in one week, actually in one short passage of Scripture, Peter goes from being the rock to a stumbling block for Jesus. It's quite an amazing uh, turn of events. We remember last week where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah. He gets it right. He understands that all of God's promises were being fulfilled in Jesus that they no longer had to look for another. They had found the Messiah, and Jesus proclaims, you are the rock, and upon you I build the church. So sort of part one, understanding Jesus' identity. So part two comes in where Jesus explains, okay, you've passed the first step, which is understanding that I am the Messiah. Don't tell anyone yet, but I'm telling you, my inner group of disciples, what it means what is the mission that god is seeking to accomplish in this moment and he says that he has to go to jerusalem and that he'll be arrested and he'll be handed over and beaten and that the chief priests the scribes and the elders uh, are all conspiring against him and that he will he will undergo great suffering he will die and on the third day he rise again and peter cannot believe what he's hearing peter who's just got the first question right, gets the second question so terribly wrong. He rebukes Jesus and says, God, Lord, forbid it. This can never happen. And Jesus, who speaks with such profound affirmation of Peter, just a few verses before in chapter 16, here speaks and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't think that Jesus is calling Peter Satan. After all, after this exchange, Peter and the other disciples are sort of brought back in by Jesus and he he calmly and carefully lays out for them what it means to follow him and what God is doing and God's mission in the world. Rather, it's akin to when Jesus is tempted by Satan. If we go back to Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the desert, tempted for 40 days, and Satan comes to him when he's at his weakest, tempting him with earthly power and gain. And Jesus, at the final temptation, says, Get away from me, Satan. And so, in this exchange, Peter is saying, We don't want this bad thing to happen to you. You're our Messiah, you're our rabbi, you're our teacher, you are everything to us, and we would never want you to suffer. We'd never want you to go through that. And so Peter says, no, it can't be so. And Jesus, of course, is human. He knows that his journey to the cross will be incredibly painful. He'll undergo great suffering. And part of him is still struggling with that, and so he says, Get behind me, Satan. I can't hear that. I have to focus on what God's will is for me. And so he gathers the disciples together. If anyone want to be my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. 
In doing so, Jesus is defining what the mission of the Messiah will be. And in doing that, he has to first deconstruct what the disciples and, and all of the faithful people of Israel were thought the Messiah would be. They thought the Messiah was coming to restore the reign of King David, to drive out all of the foreign oppressors and, and to make things right. And Jesus says, no, the Messiah, the mission of God is not about glory, it's about the cross. The mission of God is not about power, it's about service. The mission of God is a complete reversal of all the things that the world defines as success. If you want to find your life, you have to lose it, and if you lose it for my sake, you will find it. For the rest of the world operates on a, on a mentality of you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your life. Jesus came to show us a different way. And Peter, the stumbling block, is also Peter, the rock upon which the church is built. So last week we were also introduced in our first lesson to Romans chapter 12. If you recall, Romans chapter 12 talks about how following Jesus requires us to think in new ways, think in ways that are focused on God's will for our life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might discern the will of God, what is true, acceptable, and perfect. This morning we heard sort of part two of that passage, and I want to read it again because one of the things that we often do with Scripture, particularly as it makes a list of behaviors or, or sort of aspirational uh, ways we should think about other people that we should love, not hate, we sometimes make that all about individuals. And I really believe when Paul was writing in Romans and what Jesus is talking about when he says, take up your cross and follow me, I want you all to be cross-formed or cruciformed people, a, a community of faith that is focused on following the ways of Jesus, which is not about glory, it's not about power, it's not about earthly success, it's about putting the needs of others first. So in this passage in Romans 12, I want you to, th I'm going to read it again and I'd like us to think about this as a communal, that these are communal practices uh, that Jesus lays out for us. And so this would be Romans 12, uh, starting in the ninth verse. So think about this, not just simply as individuals, but what, think of it as a vision, a moral vision from scripture that Jesus first articulates that Paul picks up in Romans and says live together with each other in this way and imagine the kind of world this could create first for us but also in the world and just how radical it is Paul says let love be genuine hate what is evil as people of faith we should hate what is evil hold fast to what is good we can hate evil but we also have to hold fast to what is good we have to find goodness and blessing in the world love one another with mutual affection 
outdo one another in showing honor. Make, help other people shine. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. I like that one. Rejoice in hope. Where you find joy, where, where there's joy and rejoicing, uh, that's where we find hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. These is, this is the work of the church. This is the work of us as God's people together. Bless those who persecute you. This is so much like the Sermon on the Mount. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And beloved, never avenge yourself. It's quite a list. It's quite an invitation an invitation to live out the life that Jesus models for us. He models it for us each day in his ministry, and he articulates it to Peter and the other disciples when he says, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. And you're losing it in the sense of your own agenda, your own needs, your own worries. And when other people do the same, it's called, that. that's where you have the mutual affection, the mutual love. If we're always pouring ourselves out, other people are going to pour themselves into us, and it creates a beautiful vision, a beloved community where no one is left out. No needs are overlooked. There is no uh, exploitation or oppression, but mutual love. Yes, it's aspirational, but we have to have these visions in order to maintain our hope and faith and belief and to continue to grow as people of faith. Paul writes earlier in that chapter, once again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you might discern what is the will of God. We learn God's will most pointedly by seeing Jesus, how he loves who he loves, and his actions that are always about pouring God's love into the world, even to the point of going to the cross. So may our faith continue to be strengthened. May we know God's love. May we feel it in our hearts, and may we serve one another as Jesus has so served us. Amen.